holding my chest, my legs and hands, silence, feeling the pressure. What? She was a fraud. It's a million bloody degrees out there. Oh, wind. I'm sorry if I said anything awful. Blessed lambs of God. Why hadn't he got up to chop the capsicums? I was never a good reader. Ah, Immaculately bland. Anyway, it looks like... What do we do with this now? You're not even supposed to use the word fat. Boys like girls. When we were very young... I was back home in Norwich. Square Sound. You're listening to the audiobook podcast for the makers and listeners of audiobooks. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the audiobook podcast. Today we're going to be talking about something that we all need to know about, and that is... What happens when you walk into the booth? Absolutely. You've passed your audition, you've been cast, and you've been selected, done all your prep. Yes, an amazing amount of prep. Amazing amount of prep, because you know that the more time you've prepped outside the studio, the less time you'll spend in the booth. Absolutely. The first thing you do is... You've got to eat, but I think eating a little bit, you know, quite a, a long way before you get to the studio is a good thing. It's not the morning to have the full English fry It's up. not. No. It's not, you know, an hour away because you're going to be rumbling and grumbling and, I mean, it is very disconcerting. It happened to me recently when I had just had the wrong thing for lunch and had to go into an afternoon session and it was it was difficult to work with. I had to stop and say, sorry, I could hear my stomach rumbling, could you? It, it's just a thing. It is a thing, an undesirable thing we don't want. And if it happens here in the booth for us, we drag someone around to the kitchen and we feed them bananas or toast. Ah, Bananas are great. Bananas are really good. But Vegemite toast, if they're not into bananas, just something to kind of keep it at bay. <laughs> you don't want to give them too much because then you get the processing noises later. Oh, that's right. So exactly. it's finding the happy medium. Well, it's all processing noises, isn't it? <laughs> I think the other thing is being really well hydrated. Mm. I mean, we drink water when we're in the studio, but the fact is when you're in the studio, it's such an immersion that you can be reading for an hour and not have had a sip of water. Yep, totally. You've also done your warm-up yeah. and you come in here. What are you wearing? You're wearing whatever you want. You don't have to look good in here. We don't care if you're wearing your dreckiest trackies and your Uggs. We just happen to look amazing today, though. We always look that amazing. That just happens. You have to be careful that you're not wearing clothes that are noisy, noise, though. yeah. So softer clothes, I mean, you know, soft fabrics and, and comfortable. It can get quite warm in there, yes. I suppose. You do want to be comfortable. You also want to take care of, of your anxiety. If it's, it's the first book or it's not something you do a lot, you can feel anxiety very quickly. And, and even reading... What I have to be careful of is that I'm not hunching my shoulders a bit yes. to create the character and getting into it too much because you're sitting down. Or you're not always sitting down. You can stand. You can stand, but generally speaking, you're sitting you're down. You're sitting down. Um, if someone comes in and says, I want to stand, then it's the basis of a conversation, basically. Yeah. I don't yeah. just say, yes, of course. It's like, let's have a conversation about why yeah. you want to stand. Because standing for hours is because you're standing for hours, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a fu- there's there's a way that you have to set your body so that you are relaxed. You're still working from the core. Yes, you can't think for a second that this is just something that's coming out of your throat from above your shoulders. No, no it's that's not. right. It has to involve your whole body. Of course, in the studio, and I'm doing it right now. I'm talking with my hands. You are right. Yes, I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, in the studio when I'm working in character, I am talking with my hands a lot. So then you have to be careful of things like. Bash the mic stand and bash the pop shield and and make noise with clothes. That's why you have to have that. Take off those clunky bracelets and those large jangly rings and earrings. Yes, minimal jewellery. You know, a lot of people like you, I'm doing it now, I've started mirroring you, (laughs) um, 
do like to use their hands and it's absolutely not a problem as long as we can't hear it. Some people sort of like to follow their way along the line with their mm-hmm, finger, you mm-hmm. know. It's absolutely fine. Other mm-hmm. people just sit absolutely kind of rock solid. Yeah. It's whatever works for you. The most important thing, and I always emphasise this with my students, is you have to be comfortable because if you're not comfortable, you can't deliver your best work. Absolutely. So if you're not comfy in the chair, we've got a couple of chairs for people to choose from. It's mm-hmm. like, is I that chair working chair for then. you? Let's try the other chair. We've got some cushions. Does that give you the lumbar support yeah. you need, you know? Because yeah. you have to maintain that position in a consistent way because otherwise it shifts your relationship to the microphone as you come and go. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And so it's really important. You know, when you get into the studio, you will have the the microphone will be right in front of you. Whatever you're reading from, uh, iPad usually, will be in front of you too. You have to have a really clean... Line of sight. Line of sight. It has to work for you. And then you use whichever hand you are, left or right-handed, to scroll up. And you've got to be careful of your fingernail on the the iPad. So for the same reason as us having several chairs, we also have a range of lights because we use Mm -hmm. lamps, generally speaking, because the overhead light can be very harsh, particularly on the screen. So really, I have to emphasise, you have to be comfortable to do your best work. So if you are not, just say it. Yep. I'm struggling with the lighting or yep. I'm getting too hot. Can we shift the air con or yeah, sure. whatever? Yeah. Yep. I do find this softer lighting much more conducive, much easier to see the screen. Harsh overhead lighting, ooh, mm. it, it makes it really difficult and it fatigues you quicker. Mm. We did have a publisher come in earlier in the year and they said, oh, you know, it's a nice bright studio, but, you know, isn't it a shame you have no natural light and no natural air? And it's, well, natural light and natural air in a sound context equals exterior noise bleed. That's right. No and soundproofing. S- no soundproofing. <laughs> so our studio is like a little cocoon, really, isn't it? In mm. here, a little bit. But I think that actually it helps people just zone in, focus on the text. Yeah. The yep. way we set people up in here in our booth is they actually are side on to their director. So mm-hmm. I'm not actually in their line of vision unless they put their head up and just turn around slightly to the left. And I actually think that's good because yeah. they stop thinking about me and they just think about the Absolutely, voice. you just yeah. disappear. Yeah. The producer just disappears. <laughs> <laughs> We find that people with lots of experience, they know that a 10 o'clock call means 10 o'clock ready to work, not 10 o'clock walking just in the front in, door, going, oh, hi. saying hi to everyone, thinking I might just make a cup of tea and a piece of toast and then I'll go to the loo and yeah, I'll just call my agent to say I'm in a session so not to call me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so really... Get there before, 15 minutes before is about... Be, be, be there the beforehand best. and ready to go on time, warmed up prepared, yep. you know, everything. Yep. Come in with your script if you've got a paper copy, please. Yep. Mm-hmm. Could mention a few well-known names who tend to amble in and, oh, didn't you have a copy here for me? Oh, I left my other one at home. And it's like, oh, oh, goodness me. 400 pages of paper. Naughty person. Please bring it in. So should we talk about now things that happen in a technical way in the studio? Let's just talk about mouth stuff mm. because... The thing about narration is that you are here for a long time. You are going to have noise in your mouth. It's very hard, I think, for anybody to never, ever have noise in their mouth. But there are amazing plugins that we have these days that can actually get rid of noise, certainly in between words. If you have a noise on a word, I just heard one then that I did. It was a little bit wet when I said if. Those sort of things, they can soften them. But sometimes if you have a mouth click on a word, Mm. they can't take that out, it can't be removed. So 
anybody other than person who's done this kind of work for years and years, you won't be as conscious of them. But I think there are ways. Do you want to say anything else about mouth noise? Oh, well, hydration. And warming up. Yeah, really. Get the mouth and the musculature, sinuses, everything working. working. You know, I noticed recently, and this kind of goes to how long are your sessions going to be in the studio? Uh, Are you a person who can only read for three or four hours or are you a person who can read for 12 hours, no stopping, without a problem? uh, And everybody is different. It's a very individual thing. Now, I was at the ABC for, you know, a life sentence before I escaped and came here (laughs) and the received wisdom when I started in the radio drama department was a half-day call for single voice that too much more was taxing. And it's, I have mm. to say, it's also it taxing, taxing on the person listening. Absolutely. Sometimes I've done a long, 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 long session and it'll come to that point in the afternoon where you could be speaking Urdu to me mm-hmm. and I'm just not actually processing yeah. it, you yeah. know, yeah. because I'm fatigued. Yeah. And so I have this little brain fade. It normally lasts about three minutes and I get yeah. over it, but it is exhausting. But the person in the booth, it's even more exhausting. Mm. Our kind of ballpark here is four hours. But if people want to do more, and there are people who love doing more, Mm. and there are people who would prefer to do more for other reasons, logistical reasons, for example, they've dropped the kids off at school at nine, they're here for 9.30, and they want to stay here till three till they can do the 3.30 pickup, just for life reasons, you know. But if you've never done a book, you don't know what your limits are. So Mm. in that situation, we'd be more likely to get you in for four hours, and then I'll sort of get a gauge of how you're going. You know, sometimes I can hear the brain fade coming in people. Yeah. They may still be getting the words out, mm. but I can hear that they're not quite connecting in the same way with the yeah, words, that's right, and that's exactly. when I think, mm, time to go home. Yeah. So we're having a conversation now, which is it's easy. It doesn't take a great deal of muscle because we're just speaking mm. in our natural accents with our natural voices, and it's not as crucial. You know, we're not in character, we're just being us. But when you're in the studio and you're doing a character voice and you've been working on it for hours, what tends to happen to me for those long sessions is that I have the muscle fade. So as my muscles get tighter and tighter, well, it's enunciation, really. It just gets a little bit lazy. Mm. So what I then have to do is actually over over-accentuate, overwork the muscles that are holding up my face or my mouth so that I can actually express it well. That, that can be, and that's fatiguing too. You know, people say, oh, what happens to your voice working for all those hours? It's not the voice that gives out. It's the brain and the muscle set yeah, yeah. that give out first. Because I remember Rachel saying when she was in here, Rachel Teared, we talk all day, you know, like you shout totally. at the kids, get in the car, you know, get to school. Duh, duh, duh. It's the extreme mental concentration. Yep. And then that, as you say, the, the muscle thing of working in a particular way. Absolutely. Because we want to talk about breathing. I think that's ah. a really important part. But before that, let's just talk about the microphone technique and swapping from narrator to character, which is often what you have to do in a fiction. You know, you do have to set your position in front of the microphone. And maintain and, it. And maintain it. Yeah. Just be conscious of where that is. I often use my microphone technique. I'm in my narrator voice. I know what level she's speaking from. She's always a she. I haven't done a, a male <laughs> first-person narration yet. I just get that position. But then when I am doing something else, like doing a scene where there is dialogue, characters speaking to each other, in a way it's a slightly different energy. It's not. Mm. It's often not very different in volume. 
but it has a different energy. Yes. So that's also something else that you have to find. Often I feel that my first person narrator is speaking more from a chest voice Mm -hmm. and my characters will speak a little bit more from a head voice Mm. and that's the difference, but the volume won't be that different. And dynamics are really important because for me, on the other side of the glass, trying to Mm. control them, the more control you have over them, the easier it is for me to manage them because to record at a certain level and keep levels consistent. You as an audiobook listener in the car do not want to be sitting there with one hand on the volume Mm. control, moving it up and down as the story goes. It has to be a certain consistency. So dynamics are really important. Um, Learning how to give the sense of volume, for example, the wonderful Neil Piggott, he can sound like he's shouting without actually shouting. Yeah. I'm watching his metering. He's metering at exactly the same level, yeah. but somehow he gives a sense of that volume. Whereas someone else I worked with last year was shouting. He was literally shouting and he was leaning into the mic to shout. And I was like, please stop doing that. So with experience and with guidance from your producer, director, there are things you can do if you want to shout. Sometimes it's just a matter of turning slightly off mic. So I'm turning my head to project off to the side. Yeah. So my voice isn't going directly into the mic, so there's less signal, less level, things like that, or just pulling back. You know, mics are very sensitive and just a small movement can make you sound off mic if you've got the same voice or if you're using more voice, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, it's always about finding so that that volume thing doesn't change, finding a different intensity. Mm. So somebody's really angry yeah. and then they're actually feeling really sweet. I haven't changed my volume there, but one of them, it's like the person was going to fucking kill you. Mm. And the other one is just they're being really nice, but the volume hasn't changed. Mm. The intensity's changed. But it's a really, physically, it's a very contained thing. But if you're using intensity, you've got to do it from your core. That's mm. the way you feel mm. intensity. You really mm. feel it in the body. And I think um, menace... For example, menace can be quiet. Menace doesn't have to be loud. Quiet menace can be really much more more terrifying and interesting than loud menace. Mm. So, you know, these are some of the choices you get to make in the booth about what might work in what context. Have you ever been in a choir where they tell you to smile as you sing? Oh, I've been in a choir, but nobody ever said that. Perhaps we all were. (laughs) You can hear a smile. Of course you can. (laughs) So sometimes smiling as you read can really lift something off the page. Absolutely. Yep. I smile all the time when I read. Even when I'm reading something that is a serious message, I smile. There's something about the warmth that it creates in the voice. Ah. I don't know whether anybody could scientifically explain that, but it, it has a different resonance rather than just talking no, okay, so I'm talking without a smile now. Mm. But generally in my life I talk with a smile. And so it has a different connotation. It actually makes you sound like you're enjoying yourself, (laughs) even if you're not. (laughs) Hey, breathing is the million-dollar question that I always ask. But firstly, before that, there's a great quote from Mark Twain, and it says something along the lines of, that eloquent silence. There's two aspects to successful audio. There's sound and there's silence. Mm -hmm. And knowing how to work the silence is sometimes more important than working the sound. What you say in the sentence, blah, 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 but it's that hanging pause, that Mm -hmm. moment. William McInnes is the master of the killer pause before he delivers the deadly last line. Yeah, okay. So it's really important for people to think about that in terms of how the listener perceives it because that moment, that little hiatus, that little lacuna where you're waiting for what happens next. Yeah. 
they've done research with people with electrodes listening to music yeah. and they find that the brainwave activity that they measure with the brain electrodes mm. is most active as the note dies away in the anticipation of what the, the next, next note's going to be. Absolutely. And I think the same applies for voice. Mm, I think so too. When you understand the story and you understand the character's journey, that's when you can take those moments. You know, this is a journey that you have to take the listener on. And of course, we do that in life. We often don't know what we're going to say until we say it. You know, so Mm. if you listen to what I just said then, that was full of things like breaths that were completely natural and pauses that waited for the next thing to happen. And while I paused then, I just took an inwards breath, which allowed me to get through the next little bit without taking in inwards breath. Mm. So this is a big question about audiobook narration. How do I breathe, right? Mm. (laughs) Are we ready for this one? How do I breathe? Well, you know, I'll tell you what I tell my students. When they say, what do I do about breathing? And I say, well, I really recommend you do it because otherwise you'll turn blue, fall over, and my CPR is not up to date. (laughs) And then they laugh and relax a bit. But you have to do it. You have to breathe. So it's where to breathe and how to breathe. How to breathe. Yeah. So... So I just breathed then. So that that was an inward breath for thought. So what am I going to do? A character has that in a line. The Absolutely. sentence is written so, comma, what am I going to do? So you have to get ready for that eventuality, that you're going to be speaking from somebody who is just making it up as they're going along. Breath is not the enemy in audiobooks. It no, really no, it's isn't. Not. It's not. And if we cut out every single breath, it would sound odd. I mean, in advertising, radio news bulletins, there's conventions there about cutting yeah. out breaths. Yeah. But audiobook is completely different. If you're doing a character and you're taking the, the audience on a journey, you need to breathe and we need to hear you breathing. And it's breathing for different things. You have to make the breath actually part of the performance. Yeah. We can't live without breathing. But you can't breathe like a voiceover artist. <gasps> taking a breath in between each line that you have to get to really quickly and then taking in another breath. If you breathe like that, it would be a nightmare to try and edit those breaths out. it doesn't help the delivery. And the tendency was to do massive inhale, giant lungful of air, and then power through the sentence. So a lot of coming out really big on those first words because there's a lot of air behind them. And then powering through the sentence again into the end of the sentence, still having a bit of air left in the lungs and going... The collapse at the end, yeah. And that's the big difference. Voiceover for advertising, commercial or non-commercial, is really about using language that is unnatural, usually completely unnatural, and is designed to convince the listener of, you know, it's, it's jargon, it's full of jargon. It's actually very unnatural scripting. So this is completely different to storytelling. Storytelling has to sound real. So I was wondering whether it would be helpful if I talked about a technique that I use, I just used it then, where you pause and in the pause you actually just take in a little tiny bit of air. So you're not really breathing between each of the pauses like I'm doing now. You're just actually opening your mouth and you're just sucking in a tiny Tiny little bit of air just to top it up. Yeah. Because you don't, in life, we don't sort of go... And now I'll get through the next part of the story. You know, we actually breathe as we go along. And it, and you can't hear it. We can't hear each other breathing when we have conversations, even though we are. Yeah. So, And what you were doing then with those little top-up breaths is you were breathing with an open mouth, and I think mm-hmm. that helps just because it's when you... 
you know, the mouth click, the big breath, yeah. uh, that can be quite unattractive. Yeah, exactly. And to reinforce, you can use the breathing for dramatic purpose. Mm. You really can make it part of the mm-hmm, performance mm-hmm. and... It works. It's great. For some people, it might be helpful when they're doing their prep, especially if you have a long paragraph or a really a long sentence. It's all about the prep, isn't it? It's all about the the sentence. We just keep getting back to the prep. Is to actually look at the different parts, thoughts, and ideas in the sentence, and use those for where you pause or where you take a breath. Take a breath like you're having another thought. I was wondering about John and what he said before. And then I thought, no, I'll stop wondering about John because he doesn't really make much sense anymore. (laughs) So all of those breaths were actually adding to the storytelling and adding to what the character was actually feeling. So breath, you have to make breath part of what you're doing. In nonfiction, is it different? Well, you won't have those character voices and those thoughts in the same way. It's more a straight read. But again, it goes back to prep. It's Mm. parsing the sentence, understanding what the pet sentence is saying. Mm -hmm. So understanding where you need to take that beat. Yeah. The other thing about nonfiction too is that is often the territory of extremely long sentences. Mm -hmm. Sentences with sub-clauses or parenthetical thoughts. So um, an M dash, you know, with an aside that's part of the story then coming back to the main story and they can be really hard to read. So that's where you need that breath because yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I'll sure. tell you the hardest thing I've ever recorded mm-hmm. for reasons that at this point in time remain obscure to me. I elected to record an audiobook of The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a pretty amazing book, but Henry James is the most prolix writer, and it's prose, it's fiction, but most prolix writer. His sentences can go on for a whole paragraph. Right, yeah. And it was a real test of the narrator to be able to make that sense because if you read a, a paragraph by Henry James, you have to read it twice to make sense of it. Yeah, right. But the sublime Helen Morse made sense of it for the ear in just the most fabulous way. Yeah, non-fiction can be like that with lots of sort of idea, complex ideas to navigate. Yeah, sure. Another thing that comes up then is pace. You know, you need to take your time because it's complex thought that you're trying to convey, but the listener is also trying to absorb. Absolutely. Because remember, the listener is sitting there going, oh, what's going on? What are they saying? Yeah. Da, da, da. Yeah. So pace is really important. There's times you need to really take your time to make yeah. it very emphatic and clear what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. But then if you go to something like fiction... Pace is something you can use to colour your performance. So when things get urgent and immediate and the chase is on, you're not going to sit back on that text. You're going to rev up Mm. and that adds colour to the performance. In fact, that's essential. There is nothing more boring than listening to somebody reading at the same pace. They do everything exactly the same way and it just sounds really, really flat. Yonfest. It has to be. It has to be Well, for those with insomnia, perhaps (laughs) useful. That's yes, because I did listen to a Stephen Fry thing on the on the car map that I've got, the meditation app. He does this wonderful bedtime story where he's in Provence and he takes you through the lavender fields and it is designed to lavender sleep, hello. It is designed <laughs> to put you to sleep. And it does. I've never listened to it to the end. Because he has this extraordinary way of speaking that absolutely puts you to sleep. Do you know the most extraordinary, seeing as you brought up Stephen Fry, who was often used as the benchmark that people, and certainly my students who were all born, you know, just before the turn of the century, 
they talk about Harry Potter <laughs> to the point that I've banned them from reading Harry Potter to me because <laughs> essentially what I get every year is at least one person in a class of, say, 25 reading me Harry Potter as channeled through Stephen Fry. Right, okay. And so this year I said, no Harry Potter, and they went, oh, but why? And I said, that's why. Yeah. Um, but do you know who I think's got the most amazing audiobook voice is David Suchet. Oh, really? The British actor best known here as being personification of Hercule Poirot uh, in the BBC yep. Agatha Christie adaptations. Mm-hmm. He knows how to place every syllable and, more importantly, every silence going back to right. silence. Yep. He's amazing. Mm. Now, available on Audible is his reading of the complete King James Bible, That's a bit of a stretch probably. I think that's about 45 (laughs) hours. But um, he is an incredible reader. Mm. Well, there's one more thing we want to talk about in the studio, and that is when to call a break. Ah, yes. You know, because it's important that you are fresh. It is an intense experience. So you can call it any time you want. Yeah. You can say, I just need a break. Yep. Cup of tea break. Cup of tea break. Whatever. Outside for some fresh air break. Outside for some fresh air is is always a good idea. Sitting on the roof break, unfortunately, not uncommon. (laughs) Really? Honestly, really? I know. I have to speak to those people. Children, Siggies do give that nice tombra, but they do kill you they too. They kill you eventually. People say, oh, when should we have a break? And I just say, you tell me. And they say, what about you? And I say, no, it's not about me. It's about you. You mm. need to tell me. Some people yeah. like to, the aforementioned William McGuinness, will sit here like a, I won't say automaton because that makes it sound like his readings are dull and they most certainly are not, but he will just sit here solidly for four hours and yeah. I'll be the one saying... William, I'm stuck into a a loo. I'll be back in two minutes. (laughs) He'll be like, right, you are. Yeah. Uh, Other people, after every chapter, you know, if it's the book we did recently, had some quite emotional chapters, and that's probably Mm. a time when people are inclined to want a break. They've been, because you're living it, you're going through the emotional ringer. So that might be a time when you just need to diffuse for 10 minutes afterwards. So I say... Whenever you need a break is when we take a break. Totally, absolutely. Well, I hope you've enjoyed listening to our little podcast about being in the studio and we look forward to catching up with you soon with more great stuff about audiobook narrating. I know, we're having fun. Thanks, bye. Thank you. You've been listening to the Audiobook Podcast brought to you by Square Sound. If there's something that we haven't covered in our audiobook series that you'd like to know about, send us a message at studio.squaresound.com.au. The audiobook podcast was produced by Marianne Plaza together with Abby Holmes and Justine Sloan-Lees. With special thanks to all our guest speakers, Square Sound is an audiobook and podcast studio in Melbourne, Australia. Thanks for listening.